This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is, is this the tagger. The neutral zone. Oh, this is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. Hello and welcome to Friday. It's time for the Neutral Zone, 4 p.m. in the East, which can only mean one thing. It's another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And this week I'm joined by Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I'm okay. I'll be glad to relax. It's been a busy week. I started a new job at Billiard Insurance Group this week. And uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've worked full time. So it's catching up with me. But things are good. It's Friday. I get to do the show and I get to join you gentlemen. So let's talk some sports. Yes, absolutely. And also joining us is Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, it's been a good week. A lot of uh, different uh, groups I've been attending this week, which has uh, been good. And yeah, just uh, this week, uh, looking to have some fun with the boys, talking some sports. Yes, uh, we were just chatting a little bit uh, in that break before we come on the air. And we were kind of uh, discussing being a little tired and I have to give a shout out uh, to someone because I was tired up until about a half an hour ago and I had Starbucks kindly delivered to me. Uh, So that's what I do when I get a little tired before a show. Do you guys have any like, you know, pick me up or pump me up when you might be feeling just a little tired, Josh? Uh, It depends. There's nothing wrong with a good Starbucks or Tim Hortons now and then. Uh, Sometimes for me, if I've already had two or maybe three, like today. Um, I might turn to music, but it just, it all depends on what's going on and what the mood is. Uh, right now, just hearing the uh, the intro is enough to perk me up and get me ready to go. So that's all I needed for now. Yeah, for myself, I was going to say a spice pumpkin latte, but that's such a... Um, a, a divisive uh, drink that everyone either is a team spice latte or team not spice latte so and I I don't like them actually but no there's a a song I always put on it's kind of a mixture of songs I believe from the 90s Uh, it's kind of like dance music Um, and yeah I just kind of listen to that it's called like a hockey song mix and I'll listen to that just before the show just to kind of pump me up I agree uh there's just things you got to do to pump yourself up to get in the uh, spirit. And I think our intro music, as one of our old uh, co-hosts, David Rukavina, used to say while it was playing in the studio, that you can't help but get fired up. And we've had various intros that have just done a wonderful job. So that, for me, is the thing. Um, but if, you know, some music for me is, is another thing where I do. But, uh, yeah, the intro music usually does the trick. And speaking of something else we need to do, let's get into our headlines for this week. First, we dip into the file of if it isn't broke, don't fix it. The Tampa Bay Lightning have extended head coach John Cooper for three more years. The contract will see him remain the head coach through the 2024-2025 season. 
I mean, what more can you say? The guy has brought them to two Stanley Cups back to back, and they were relevant even a few years before that. The man knows what he's doing. He's good at his job. The players seem to love him. So, of course, you're going to bring him back. Congratulations, John. And we look forward to, unfortunately, going up against you as Leaf fans for many years to come. Arguably the biggest star in WNBA history, Akia Nurse has suffered a torn ACL and will miss the remainder of the 2021 season. This is a big loss for uh, her team. Uh, This is really the catalyst of her team. And to suffer a loss like this is a big loss in the grand scheme of things. And I and the rest of us wish her a speedy recovery because we need to see her back on the floor as soon as possible. A pro basketball star won't be able to play at all this season until he's vaccinated against COVID-19. Aaron Kaczerski fills us in. Kyrie Irving may be a star for the Brooklyn Nets, but the team said he will not play or practice until he is eligible to be a full participant. Irving is not vaccinated and would have to miss more than half the season, including all home games, because the city requires proof of vaccination for entry into Barclays Center. Though the Nets said we respect his individual right to choose, the statement also said the choice restricts his ability to be a full-time member of the team, and the Nets are uninterested in part-time availability. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. You know, uh, this is another topic that's very uh, divisive in the world. And it's just unbelievable. Um, You know, my my thoughts is uh, as long as there's no medical reason, um, you should get facts because uh, you've got to not just care about yourself, but care about other people. And for him not to do it, unless there is a medical reason, um, you know, it's just really unfortunate. People are uh, able to, you know, choose what they want in life, but then there's always going to be repercussions uh, based on those uh, actions. So uh, hopefully he gets it and he's able to be a part of the team. Um, Otherwise, it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out throughout the year. Those are your headlines for this week. It's time to check in on our Twitter poll questions. Let's look back at last week's Twitter poll question, which is, would you bring back Toronto Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoyo? And Cameron must be so excited to see these results. 55% of you said yes. 45% of you said no. And I have to say, this was our largest Twitter poll question that we have uh, not, we've had before. And I may have said John Gibbons. I meant Charlie Montoyo, of course. Um, and yeah, so this was our largest poll we've had. So thank you for uh, reaching out and having your say <laughs> and, and putting Cameron in the space where maybe he should come back. This week's Twitter poll question is, will this be the year the Stanley Cup final comes back to Canada? Your choices are simple. Yes or no. You can cast your votes at our Twitter handle, which we'll hand out in a little bit on the program. Cameron, I'll let you weigh in on this Twitter poll just quickly. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I was just going to say that it paid off for me making all of those burner Twitter accounts to get those uh, (laughs) no uh, votes for uh, him not coming back. So, yeah, it paid off. Ah, yes. You were the burner Twitter accounts. Got it. Got it. Those classic classic, uh, egg... uh, pictures and those those burner accounts 
Awesome. Coming up next, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about mental health. We're going to continue the conversation we had last week surrounding it. And our very own Cam Jenkins will give a personal take on mental health in the world of parasports. When we come back, you're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. Stay with us. message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins and Josh Watson. And I'm going to pull back the curtain here for a second because um, on our program, we have an instant message group that we communicate during the show periodically. And when I corrected myself and thought that I said John Gibbons was because I misread what one Josh Watson said when he had John, and I thought it said Gibbons, but it actually said John Gurdon. And I said, oh, I may have said John Gibbons. Well, in actual fact, what happened was we missed a headline related to John Gurdon. So, Mr. Watson, since I <laughs> rudely ran right through that headline, can you deliver that one for us as well? Because it's an important one. Absolutely. Uh, John Gruden has resigned as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after emails that were sent by him to other members of the NFL prior to his hiring in 2018 contained racist, homophobic, and misogynistic comments. Gruden released a statement Monday night saying in part, I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry, I never meant to hurt anyone. Now, I'm a person that believes in second chances, guys, but you have to be a little more forthcoming than just I'm sorry when this sort of thing happens because we've advanced, I hope, as a society, and there's no room anymore for racism, homophobia, misogyny, or chauvinism, in my opinion. I understand that Gruden may have grown as a person since those emails were sent, but they are still out there. And as we all know, once something is on the internet, it never goes away. So I hope John learns from this. I hope he works on himself to become that better person. And I hope the Raiders can move on as well. I actually think that it's um, a step in the right direction when you as the offender are coming out and saying, I'm going to step away from the team because of what I've done. Now, who knows what kind of pressure he may have faced um, due to that. Um, but I think the first step is acknowledging, look, I've done wrong. And you're right. 
even though you can delete social media posts, delete text messages, delete a lot of things, they are still out there in the world of of social media. So, you know, I, I wish John all the best and hopefully he gets, uh, you know, pointed in the right direction and, and doesn't do that again. But uh, yeah, it, that was a fascinating story for sure this week. And it sure was. Though, it's just for for me it's it's a matter of the apology wasn't quite enough i mean i appreciate the fact that he's sorry perhaps he has grown from this situation but if you know this stuff is out there be upfront about it don't kind of wait until it comes out and then go oh i'm sorry that that was in my past like that's right. you when when this comes out you have to say look yes those things did happen in my past i have learned from that situation i've done this i've done that to better myself and i'm a different person it still isn't likely to change the outcome uh, i from what i have read think that uh, mark davis went to gruden and said look i'm going to give you a chance to do this the right way but you're not going to be our head coach. So I don't know that it was entirely his decision, but I certainly am understanding of the words he used. So, At least it was painted in the media as though he made the decision. And I think that that's, you know, the, the thing. It could have been done the easy way. It could have been done the hard way. And I think this is the right way to go about things. And those are your headlines uh, for this week and now without taking a commercial break we're gonna move on to our segment two uh topic and we had a conversation last week that carrie price is voluntarily taking part in the players assistant program cameron you did not join us last week for this conversation what did you make of this decision uh, I think Carrie Price uh, is wonderful for making the tough choice uh, to be able to enter the program. And I don't know if it's uh, out in the media as to why he uh, went into the program. Um, so, you know, uh, I guess there could be a lot of speculation as to what it could be. But um, anytime that you are having a problem and you admit it and you're trying to get help, I think it is uh, so important that uh, everyone does that. And I'm very proud of Carey Price for doing that because it's not easy, especially being the goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, that market can be um, so brutal uh, for the fans and um, on social media and what people say and do. And... Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him, especially with the contract that he has. So I'm just so very proud of him for admitting that he has a problem, whatever that problem is, and he's getting help. Yes, and uh, we we decided to uh, carry this segment through because you yourself have had some mental mental health challenges through your life and parasport career. Can you talk a little bit about both sides of it? whether it be in your life and parasports and how that's sort of affected you and how you've overcome it to an extent? 
Um, well, I'm uh, currently um, managing it. Um, a person, in my opinion, that from what I've learned over the past year and a bit of, you know, working with a great organization, the Canadian Mental Health Association, um, it's you have to manage it because it's going to be part of your life for the rest of your life. Um, so you have to learn to manage the symptoms that you have and go from there. And it's not as easy as flipping a switch um, because it's, for me, um, you know, I, I've tried a little bit before um, when I had some uh, mental health challenges, but this is the first real effort that I've put into it. And it's not, you, you just can't flip a switch. It's very hard um, to change your line of thinking. So uh, as an example, I'm trying to take the word should out of my vocabulary. Um, because when you say I should do this and I should do that, you really need to ask yourself in this example, should you really do that? Or do you really need to do that on this day? Or can it be done the next day or the day after that? So um, taking the word should out of my vocabulary, um, that kind of puts less expectations on me. And I love the saying, you know, stop shitting on yourself. Um, it's kind of a, <laughs> a great way to remember that. So, um, you know, as far as my parasports career goes, being a goalie in hockey, it affected me a lot because uh, there were, I put so much pressure on myself because I'm the last line of defense when it comes to, uh, you know, playing sledge hockey, being a goalie. So any goal I let in, you know, I was just so hard on myself and it's changing that to um, change the conversation or uh, reframe uh, what you're saying to yourself. So instead of saying, oh, I let that goal go in, I also have to not just put all of the blame on myself and I have to say, okay, well, they also went through five other people before they got to me as well um, to try to not put so much pressure on me or to... Uh, taking, I take on a lot of ownership that I shouldn't necessarily uh, take on that much ownership. So, um, but mental health is so important, and uh, I think everybody in the world should go see a psychologist, psychiatrist, or a psychotherapist. Um, in a perfect world, um, because I think a lot of people need help, and it's just healthy to be able to, you know, I'm a, a great um, believer of communicating and letting your feelings out, and yeah, if I you know, had all the money in the world, I would get everybody to, you know, go see a professional to just talk about things. You know, it's uh, it's funny you, you bring this up, because in, in uh, my life, and in you know, growing up and then getting involved in para sports. And for those that might be listening for the first time, I competed in bocce for basically half my life. And uh, it was very uh, important for the organization to put uh, sports psychology on, um, on the table. And for me, I, I just kind of put it over as, you know, oh, that's something we do in sports. That's, you know, you need to talk to them about things involved in, in sports and only sports because they're titled as a sports psychologist. Well, then fast forward to uh, 2010, I got involved in a motor vehicle accident and it changed my life. 
drastically. I was a person who was able to transfer uh, with limited assistance, but some assistance for sure. And after that accident, I couldn't transfer at all. I had to use different machines, different technologies to do that. I now need assistance uh, to to do these things um, on a regular basis where I needed less assistance before. And I agree with you 100%, Cameron, that talking to somebody outside of sports is helpful because even if it's just venting your thoughts or putting your thoughts out there to an unbiased person, whether it's in sports or everyday life, that's really important. And if it wasn't for that car accident that I had in 2010, I would have continued to say, oh, that's only for sports because I'm struggling in sports and my life is fine and, 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 and it's okay. We can, we can move on from that. And that's not really the truth in all of this. Uh, we've also known that Robin Leonard has uh, struggled as well with mm, mental health challenges. Cameron, do you believe there's a correlation with goaltenders and mental health struggles? You know, um, uh, I've been thinking about this ever since uh, you put the um, show notes out. And, you know, from my experience and some of the goaltenders that I know, I want to say, yes, there is a correlation. However, um, I've also seen some sledge hockey players or other people, um, you know, in the hockey community also have mental health uh, challenges. So uh, I think uh, for each person, it's unique unto itself. Um, you know, goaltenders, I think that the pressure they put on themselves is that, oh, they let the goal in, so they're the one to blame. And they put that huge onus on themselves. Um, whereas, you know, a, a skater might say, oh, well, you know, I, I missed a check or I tripped somebody or and I went to the penalty box and they ended up scoring. So, um, but, you know, I keep hearing, and it's true, that goaltenders are a different breed um you know you may want to watch your pack when they're in their goaltender mode um but yeah i I don't know if there's a correlation per se um more so than anyone else on the hockey team um but yeah that's just uh yeah my opinion um how in your opinion do you believe that teammates uh can assist Someone who, you know, is open to saying to the their team, listen, I, I'm struggling today due to this or that or whatever the case is. How do you believe a teammate can assist you effectively? Um, best thing uh, you can do is, in my estimation, is to listen and to uh, not listen to be able to give solutions unless they ask for it, but just to listen uh, because a lot of the times when people are at that stage, they want to be able to vent and they don't want somebody to give them unsolicited advice at the end of the day. So, um, and if the person does give unsolicited advice, uh, that can be very harmful um, because they're already in a stage of, you know, feeling wrong or they're not doing this as well. And to give them unsolicited advice um, isn't the best way. So just to be there to listen um, and to also, if you're able to relate, um, you know, uh, and use I statements. So I went through this and I went through that. Um, to try to relate to the person because uh, in my experience 
you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of the friends that I do, but sometimes I feel so alone. And just to know that somebody is there listening, um, uh, you know, is a huge help to be able to um, get through that and to be non-judgmental as well. Josh, you have uh, competed in parasports both on a team and as an individual. When you know, uh, whether it be that someone's come up to you and expressed that they're having these challenges, does that, does your approach as a teammate change, if at all, to try to support this person? I hope not. I really hope not because I, whether it's personal life or sporting life, have always tried to be a listener first. I am probably guilty of giving advice when I shouldn't at times. And I recognize that as I've gotten older. But when, for example, I would be on a hockey team and someone would say, oh, you know, that I, I should have done that or I shouldn't have missed that shot or I should have made that save or whatever the case may be. I try to remind them that, you know what, it's it's one play. That one play by itself doesn't determine the game. And as Cameron said, when you're the goaltender, which I've been at times, it's important that you remind yourself that there are five people ahead of you who could have done something or may have tried to do something to stop that person. It could just be that the person who scored that goal is an incredible player and nothing any of us could have done would have prevented that goal. We don't know that. But no. I tried, yeah, I, to, to sum up, I, I try to listen. I try to be constructive. I try not to, to blame. And if I hear someone blaming themselves for something, I try to remind them that, no, you're not the only one here, even if it's an individual sport. I try to remind them that, you know what, that, that's one experience. That didn't make up the entire competition. <laughs> you know, and I will close this segment off by, by uh, saying this exactly. Maybe this happened by design today, not, not by me, not by any one of us. But it's interesting that I, as host and producer of this program, write the script every week. I put it together and I should know what's on the script because I put it out there, but I missed a headline. And you know what? It, it's, it's, it's very easy to beat yourself up and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But my teammates around this table, no one pointed fingers. They, Josh just said a message that said, hey, we missed a headline. What do we do? And it can happen in everyday life. I, you know, I, of course, didn't mean to do it, but it's very easy to beat yourself up over simple situations. And in sports especially, when you do that, it just compounds itself over and over again. And when you make a smaller mistake, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger when it shouldn't because people make mistakes in everyday life. And, and Cameron, I will say for you to be able to come on here and talk for 15 minutes about your struggles and you knew this was coming for a few days now 
it's it's very courageous of you to open up to our audience and let them know that someone they listen to on a regular basis has had struggles, but giving us strategies on how to work through it. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm uh, never, like I was always, and I don't want to say I was taught, but it's a generational thing where um, you kind of keep quiet about your problems and you don't talk about it because that's seen as feeling sorry for yourself or wanting attention. And I'm now learning later in life that it is so important, especially when it comes to depression and anxiety, to talk about it. Because when you have that, which I do, and I'm uh, coping with it better now or managing uh, it better now, um, but you can feel so alone. And if I'm able to talk about this and it helps one person to feel better or talk about it themselves or to go get help, then that's all I want is for people to you know not feel so alone and to get some help. You're I here. totally agree with you on that, Kim. I I think it is a generational thing, Brock. I know we have to go, but I think and as the two of us are a little bit older, it is a generational thing. And I think it's also a male thing. And so I'm, I'm just very oh, glad that you're willing to talk about it. And I'm sure you know this already, but our doors are always open. So thank you for talking about it. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, anyone that is struggling and, you know, wants to reach out, Go to our Twitter accounts and send a private message or just talk to us. And I'm sure any of us would be more than happy to uh, help uh, anyone out because that's who we are as people. So, 100%. And uh, that will wrap up this segment. Coming up next, we're going to switch gears to the mainstream sports world. And we're going to chat a little bit of Major League Baseball and squeeze in a little bit of NHL hockey. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. to get in touch with the neutral zone on twitter number one at ami audio number two at neutral zone br number three at neutral zone cb number four at neutral zone cam j and number five at j watson 200 now get out there and tweet one for the gipper Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins and Josh Watson. Well, it's time to talk a little uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, Let's chat a little bit about the Divisional Series first. Which series had you most intrigued and why? Let's start with you on this one, Cameron. Um, I think I'm in really looking forward to the ALCS. Um, I think that the Astros are going to win it. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe five, six games at the at the most. But I know that their um, pitcher, their ace pitcher, McCullers, McCullers is out. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, so, you know, I think that makes it a little bit more even uh, for the series between Boston and the Houston Astros. But it just feels like all year... Um, 
the Red Sox and Alex Cora, the manager, uh, have had to kind of do patchwork on uh, the pitching staff like it's a ripped blanket. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to have the pitching uh, to be able to get through this series, Boston. And to think that the infield of the Astros, um, they have been together for the last five ALCS um Games, I guess you could say, and they've played a total of 61 playoff games and altogether nobody has changed in the infield. So I think that's going to be, you know, it's good if the longer you're able to keep your team together and gelled, I think that's really going to make a difference too because when you go up the middle, um, whether it's the second baseman or the shortstop Carrera, who very well could be the MVP of the series, uh, I just think that it's great to be able to have uh, players that are that well gelled together and being able to be great defensively. Uh, Josh, you and I spoke about this a little bit uh, offline um, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. And I said to you when I was watching the Houston Astros, I said by text one day, I said, there's so much talent on this Houston Astros team. However, I'm having one problem. And the problem is, and I even acknowledged Josh in the text message, I said, should be far past this because things have taken place that should have. But I'm having trouble with the Houston Astros because of their past in being caught with cheating. Do you have that same feeling or should I be sort of past this at this point? I think there will always be a cloud over that team because of that scandal. Um, Again, I choose to believe that, okay, you got caught. You, you say you're not doing that anymore. So I choose to believe you, but I don't fault anyone who has that healthy skepticism or, or if you pardon the expression raises a spocky and eyebrow at the, the Houston Astros, I do think that Dusty Baker would not have gotten involved with the team if he believed there was still cheating going on. Uh, he has far, far too much history in the game of baseball. And I would say a love for the game of baseball to be associated with that if it hadn't been cleaned up. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there for sure. Um, you know, we had... Uh... He played uh, Joe Girardi against uh, the White Sox in the divisional round, and and that was one of the oldest um, manager in age um, for that series. And I have to say, in that series against the White Sox, we didn't see a lot of traditional baseball of of moving runners over and the old school game of baseball. We saw a lot of. Um, new modern baseball where it's like nope let's move the runner you know let's start the runner on two and two counts three and two counts Cameron were you surprised when watching the series uh, before this one uh, that you didn't see more old-fashioned baseball you know what no not really Uh, who was the first team to kind of do this new baseball where they kind of uh, do things non-traditionally. I th- was it the Rays? Yeah, it was with uh, Joe Madden. Joe Madden, Joe Madden was like yeah. the artist of doing this. 
Yeah, so I think it's a great way to do it, and it kind of uh, energizes baseball a little bit more by being untraditional and trying new things. Um, it always bothers me, though, that uh, if the numbers say, uh, you know, a pitcher can only go five innings, and then you pull him, even if he is doing a phenomenal job, uh, why you would pull him, uh, even though the numbers say after the fifth inning he's not you know, that much better uh, that, you know, that part of it, uh, I disagree with. Uh, I think you should leave a pitcher in there if he's still pitching well until he starts to not pitch well and then pull him. Um, but I love it that they're taking starters and after they've pitched, uh, depending on how much they've pitched, they throw them into the bullpen to be able to get some more outs. Uh, yeah, I, ju- I just love that part of it and all the new things that they're trying to win the game. I think it's great. I think the thing that I would uh, critique Joe Madden on, and maybe not a lot of people around the game would, would critique him on this, but I certainly am one, where I would critique the opener. I think that is the most ridiculous thing where you send out a guy for one inning and then you roll out somebody from the bullpen or one of your <laughs> long relievers. Like I, I just think that is the worst strategy in on the face of the planet. Like for me, I'm thinking, okay, you're going to bring in a guy pitched four five, six innings, but why did we need, you know, this first guy f- coming out for one inning? I, I just will never understand it. And I hear the people out there that'll say, yeah, but that person for one inning, as a, a a really good fastball and can't be touched in the first inning and lets it all fly and everything else, but he can do that in the sixth or the seventh. I'm just not sure of the importance of that. Cameron, you had a laugh there. Any comment? Oh well, I usually always have a comment, but um, but yeah, like I think it's beautiful to see the closer. You know, I, I don't know if Mariano Rivera ever came out in the first inning, but to get your closer out there and to do uh, the first two innings and get like six outs right away and blow fastballs, and then you know have a the starting pitcher come in in the third inning and it be like a slower pace, maybe get a curveball or. Um, I think I think it's wonderful because then the people are expecting, oh, okay, it's going to be this person and this is how we have to react. But then you have a closer come in with the heat, and I just think it starts the game off really well. Uh, you get six outs, and off you go from there, and it just kind of puts the batters off of balance. So I, I absolutely love it. Fair enough. That's another thing that... Cameron and I disagree on because he wanted to see Charlie Montoya gone and 55% of you said keep him. So there we go. Josh, any quick comments? I was going to say, we're going to keep writing him about that, aren't we? Um, (laughs) Why do you think I I put the Twitter poll out there? I got to tell you, I I put the Twitter (laughs) poll out there for a reason, man. Oh, fair enough. I I just have to close all my burner accounts now. There you go. There you go. I tend to fall in between the two of you. I agree with Brock in that it doesn't make sense to me to have a guy come out for, for two innings. When I see that, I'm like, okay, so your starter went two innings because that's what he was. He might be a reliever the rest of the time, but today he was your starter where I do think it's interesting. And where I do like it is when you, you get to, say a critical part of a game. So let's say it's the fourth inning 
and you're down by a run and you just need to shut the door, bring in your closer because that could be the most important part of the game. It doesn't necessarily have to be, excuse me, have to be the, the ninth inning that the closer gets. But I don't think our modern stats accurately are going to portray this era of baseball because of it. You, you don't earn a save in the fourth inning. And you also don't earn a quality start or a win unless you go five innings. So we're going to have to evaluate pitchers differently if this is the way the game is going to go. But there are parts of it that I do like, and there are parts of it that I just kind of laugh at and say, oh, uh, okay, your reliever is now your starter. Okay, fine. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, uh, no. I, I agree. Th- go Sorry, ahead. Brock. Just one quick thing. Um, you mentioned Joe, Joe Girardi earlier. I think it was actually Tony La Russa. Oh, that's right. Yes, you, you're right. It was it was Tony La Russa. Still an old guy, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. They, I, I uh, think that brings the median age up, actually. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting how different age, uh, you know, different age could elicit uh, different strategies. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's different game and you're right you don't really know when the crucial point of any sport's gonna be and so why we need to wait for a closer for the you know eighth ninth inning i don't know but the stats show it and unfortunately major league baseball is going more stats driven than anything else these days uh we're gonna take a break come back and i'm going to we're gonna talk a little bit about Kyrie irving and uh the um idea that he's not going to get a vaccination plus the nba announced that it's not going to do testing for marijuana how will that affect the league we'll find out coming up next right after the break stay tuned Welcome back to the Neutral Zone, right here on AMI Audio. I'm your host Brock Richardson, joined by Joshua Watson and Cam Jenkins. I just just want to say off the top of this segment that we spoke about Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets uh, making the decision that if he's going to be unvaccinated, that they don't want a uh, part-time player. And I have to say, I agree with this. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a player who would make a difference uh, for the Nets. And I just believe wholeheartedly that if you are all in on a team, you need to be playing all the time and not part time. And I have to wonder whether Kyrie Irving. Now, I have no facts to back this up. This is just me talking. But I have to wonder if Kyrie Irving felt that he was that important to play, you know, 40% of the games, 50% of the games, that they would do that. And I think the Brooklyn Nets um, made their statement clear in saying, nope, it's either all or nothing. So good on the Brooklyn Nets uh, for making that decision. Another decision that the NBA made, um, the NBA will 
reportedly not test test players randomly this season. Ed Donahue gives us the lowdown. A policy will continue from last season during the coronavirus restart bubble at Walt Disney World. While the NBA won't test for marijuana, there will still be random testing for performance-enhancing products and what the league calls drugs of abuse, such as methamphetamine and cocaine. Decriminalizing marijuana has been a major topic at the government level for years and has been the case in the sports world as well. American sprinter Shikari Richardson was left off the U.S. Olympic roster in Tokyo following a positive test for marijuana. More than half of states in the U.S. have decriminalized possessing small amounts of marijuana. I'm Ed Donahue. Am I the only one, guys, that finds this weird that this is so public in that the NBA will not test uh, for marijuana given the uh, Kari Richardson situation where she was taken out because of it? Cameron, start with you. You know, uh, I don't uh, do marijuana myself, but it's legalized here in Canada now, and I'm sure it's going to be legalized in a lot of different uh, states as well. So I don't have a problem if they want to smoke marijuana and and not test for it. I think that's the new reality, and I'm uh, totally okay with it um, because how is that going to enhance their performance, um, you know, if they take marijuana? Uh, a lot of people use it, um, you know, if they have anxiety, and that helps to calm them down. And so I guess that could be considered performance enhancing if you have a lot of anxiety and you take it and then you don't, and then that can help your game to be better. Um, but there's so many things in sports and the medical that they use to try to get you better as well, whether it's uh, creams or surgeries or, um, you know, just all the things that they do to get the peak performance out of a player. So, um, yeah, have at it because you could go out for a night of drinking and the next day have a bad hangover and then not play well. And therefore that kind of hurts you as well. So, yeah, I'm all for uh, if they want to smoke marijuana. Go right ahead. Um, I think that's where you and I differ again, and 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 we differ on exactly what you said. And that is, in my mind, if you are calmer, you are therefore in a better state of mind to do your sport better, because there is a lot of anxiety associated with professional sports. I know professional sports, parasports, whatever the case is. I know it, these athletes make it look very easy, but there is a lot of pressure. So to me, even though it may not really enhance you, being calmer gives you uh, another level to be clear of mind to say, okay, I'm calmer. I, I can do what I need to do and, and do it well. Uh, Josh, any comment on this? Absolutely. I, I was hoping you were going to let me in here. <laughs> the The fact is, I, I I have to, I feel like, remind you, Brock, that by not testing for this, everyone has the opportunity. So it makes it an even playing field. If there are players who are known to be using marijuana for any of its uses, whether it be mental health, physical health, because uh, there there is a component of, of marijuana that is used as a pain reliever. 
everybody has the ability to take it if they choose to. If you choose not to, that's that's your choice. And I mean, I personally respect that choice not to not to uh, use it. But I also respect people's choice to use it because I've met more and more people as I've gotten older who have allergies or sensitivities to mainstream drugs like Advil, Tylenol, Aleve, or any of these prescription or non-prescription painkillers. And so for some of them, the the non-hallucinogenic part of marijuana is the only pain reliever that they can take. And so why am I going to make someone live a life in pain if there's a product out there that can help them? So yeah, for me, and I agree it's not with an Josh. issue. Yeah, I agree with Josh and what he said. He made some great points there. And, uh, you know, I, I use the example of anxiety. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see if uh, you're allowed to have anxiety medication um, and if you're allowed to take that being in the MBA or if that's banned because that basically takes the anxiety away as well. So if that is allowed, uh, why would marijuana be, uh, be allowed? When I was uh, competing in bocce i couldn't Mm. take as much as a cold medication because it was banned on the substance because the viewpoint was if i'm not feeling sick for whatever period of time that is therefore that's a competitive advantage now some people may argue well do you want a, a bunch of sick athletes out there competing at not their best sure there might be people that may argue that but i guess that's where i come from is that having played parasports and being so scrutinized i'm just not sure if i'm ready and you can call call me an old curmudgeon if you must but i'm not (laughs) sure if i'm ready enough to see an entire league be okay to be on you know um any drug because to me that I, I don't know. I don't know what, what to say. I just, I'm not sure if I'm ready to see that be allowed in a whole league. And this could just be simply based on where I'm coming from. Because maybe if I was brought up in a situation where I could do it, maybe my opinions changed. But I know for me and my career, I couldn't do it. So I think that's where I just look at it a little differently. Final thoughts from you, Cameron, just really quickly. You're an old curmudgeon or whatever word you used earlier. Fair enough. I am an old curmudgeon, and that is coming from Cam Jenkins, that I accept that 100%. Uh, that's fine, and, and but we'll see how it may or may not affect uh, the NBA moving forward. That's the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Josh Watson, Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, 
visit AMI.ca.